1: He's an assistant professor in the Institute of Parasitology at McGill University, and we're going to talk about how um, pathogens evade the host's immune system to, you know, to, to establish infection and keep it going. So, Igor, thanks for coming.
2: I thank you very much for having me here today.
1: Yeah, what what uh, what parasites do you study? Is there one in particular, or is
2: it multiple? Uh, We we work with uh, primarily two parasites. They are um, trypanosome parasites, which are in the family of kinetoplastid parasites. Those parasites cause uh, human and animal diseases. They are a single cell uh, organism that um, uh, are usually transmitted by an insect bite um, to a host, a mammalian host, that can be humans, that can be animals, and they will cause diseases that will have um, an impact obviously in humans, but also on the agriculture, uh, on animals and, and so forth. Yeah, so basically we work on Trypanosoma uh, brucei, which is a pathogen that causes a disease called sleeping sickness or African trypanosomiasis, And this parasite affected primarily people um, in the African continent. Um, but we also work with Trypanosoma cruzi, which is a parasite that causes Chagas uh, disease, which, um, Affect affects primarily uh, 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 South and Central America, but this disease has spread to the United States. Um, today, we have about 300,000 people infected with Chagas disease, sorry, with, with Tremendosoma cruz with Chagas disease in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it has spread through migrations to um, Europe, Japan, Australia, and many other places.
1: Well, I guess the um, sleeping sickness is spread by the fly, right? But, uh... mm-hmm. Yeah. Well what what is what, I don't know much about Chagas. What's it? Uh, what insect spreads it, and how?
2: Well, that is a, a, a bug that we call a kissing bug. It's a triatomine vector. It's um, you know the size of uh, of a coin, of uh, uh, you know very small one one centimeter or half inch more or less. It varies in size, but um, usually the bite uh, when the the animal or the person is sleeping. And uh, you don't feel the pain. You don't feel. Um, uh, but then, what happens is that people will uh, uh, feel that itching. They will scratch the surface, and by scratching the surface of, of the skin, they will uh, uh, facilitate the the entry of the parasite in the body.
1: Well, what, what kind of bug uh, causes it?
2: So yeah, the the, the bug is called uh, uh, is a this uh, The the the, the, the the parasites, tri- sorry, the bugs is try to mean uh, vector, but we call it a uh, kissing bug. That's the the common name that it's known um, uh, both in in, in uh, South Central America as well as in North America. We have some of that in the United States, um, especially in in the um, uh, in the border with the with the south. Um, but um, obviously, as you get to the north, uh, the the cold climate may affect some of these uh, bugs to to to, to spread.
1: And what what does chagas do to a person
2: when they get it? Well, that's a very interesting question. Chagas is a very complex because chagas is a very complex disease, um, as many other. Uh, Uh, Parasitic diseases, it starts with uh, common uh, symptoms, flu-like symptoms like uh, cold, fever, headaches, uh, and uh, those symptoms uh, goes away. And uh, what's really significant in the case of Shag's disease is the chronic disease that it develops after the initial infection. The parasites... can remain in the body for decades, Um, and usually uh, about 30% of the people that are infected with this disease will develop a cardiac disease that is the enlargement of the heart and heart failure and and all the symptoms uh, associated with with cardiac problems. They also cause um, gastrointestinal problems and uh, uh, in the chronic stage of the disease which um, um, can be severe uh, to cause uh, the person's death. Um, um, as for the um, acute stage, the acute stage is the flu-like symptoms, the pe- person feels bad for a while, but those symptoms goes away. And that's the big challenge um, is you know, feel sick, the parasite, uh, um, most of the parasite in the bloodstream is removed by immune system. But on the long-term, the parasite's persistent persisting uh, in fact, the heart, infected all the tissues, and we develop those those uh, severe chronic cardiac or gastrointestinal diseases.
1: So, where in the body does it tend to reside first, and then later?
2: So, most of these parasites, so you get through the skin. Um, you know, you, as a person scratch the the surface, they will facilitate the entry. But the parasite can enter as well through the through the respiratory tract to the uh, via uh, mucus, for example. Um, uh, uh, There are cases of people being infected by eating fruits infected with the parasites, for example. And um, once in the blood, they will stay in the bloodstream for a while, they will infect cells, Um, they will enter the cells, and they will develop inside of those cells. As they grow inside the cells, they will break the cells, kill the cells, and they will... uh, Look for new cells to infect because they needed to infect the cells to propagate. Um, that's the case of Chagas disease. Um, for the uh, Treponema brucei, which causes sleeping sickness, that's a different story. The parasite uh, do not infect cells. Circulates in the bloodstream. It's always always present in the in the bloodstream. Can be found in the skin as well. But importantly, that parasite will uh, cross the blood-brain barrier, in fact, the, the central nervous system, while well, it can cause coma and death if, if the patient's not treated. So, yeah, so, two different parasites, different, different diseases. Uh, we, we can consider those parasites like causings, like they are related to each other, but they cause very different diseases, and they have different strategies to evade the host immune system.
1: Yeah, well, I guess that's the focus of your study, so how... Uh, does the Chagas parasite evade, and how does the uh, sleeping sickness one evade? What's what's observed?
2: Yeah, so um, for Tepernosoma cruzi, uh, we know uh, much less. It's a uh, uh, more complex parasite, uh, hard to, stud- to study, and a lot of the tools that you have to manipulate the parasite genome and do uh, molecular biology and biochemistry studies are, are more limited compared to Tibruciai. And and I'll get on to Brucia in a second, but in the case of shagas, we know that they are very competent on uh, evading the, the um, innate immune response that's your initial antibody uh, uh, response, or your complement, what we call complement system, a series of proteins that you have in, uh, in your circulating your bloodstream that you recognize any sort of pathogens. So we know that they have surface receptors that deactivated that system to be able to reach the cells and infect the cells. They also have specific surface receptors, and that's common to many other pathogens as well, that facilitates the interaction of host cells. One important key aspect of Treponema cruise is that they are able to infect um, most type of cells. They don't have a selection to a specific uh, type of cells like like. Uh, HIV or like, a, let's say, a, a related parasite Leishmania that infects microphages. So they, we infect all sorts of cells in the blood, in, in the blood and, and, and in the tissue. And once in the cell, then they can, they use all these strategies to evade the, the cellular response. We know very little about how they evade. We know that they have uh, large uh, gene families. that are dedicated uh, to immune evasion. But we haven't studied them uh, with the depth to understand how how, how they really evade the host immune response to cause infection. And that's uh, one of the themes that we have in the lab. Now, as well,
1: for- I, I, I guess backing up though, so you're not sure with Chagas I guess how it evades the immune system, but you said it, it can uh, invade almost
2: any cell type. Exactly, can infect uh, almost uh, any any type of cell. We know that from from studies uh, both in vitro as well as in vivo, we can detect the parasite in all sorts of cells, as you as you infect and collect them from animals or from biopsies from 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 uh, from humans, and um, and and from those who died from the infection, right? But we do know, uh, and it's a significant here in Japan of that this parasite. Uh, will infect uh, the cardiac tissue uh, and gastrointestinal tissue. They have uh, what we call a a tropism to this type of of tissue, and they will establish uh, an infection that that will last uh, for, for many, many, many years.
1: What's the method of entry into a given cell? Is it different for different cell types, or is it all the same?
2: Um that, those are related to uh, which receptor they have on the surface, which type of receptor cells have in the surface, because this uh, the way that a pathogen recognized and in, the a cell is via uh, surface molecules. A cell has a receptor, a uh, parasite has a ligand and they can interact. Now, we don't really know, uh, we haven't studied uh, yet. We haven't got to understand all sort of receptors that they use to infect. We know the parasites have a lot of sugar on the surface coat, and perhaps that's one of the ways uh, that they infect the cells. It's likely um, uh, that they are using uh, those uh, uh, sugar components on the surface proteins to uh, interact with the host uh, surface receptors, initiate the, the process. We know that this is mediated by receptors on the surface of the cell, which you know, um, um, gives us uh, also a, 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 an opportunity to explore uh, strategies of control later on. We can talk about that as well if you want, but um, we, we still... Well,
1: how, how, how big is the parasite? Are you able to, you know, has anyone used a light microscopy to watch a parasite enter to gain yeah. some insight on how it does?
2: Exactly. We, we can see this parasite uh, varies in length between it's about 30, 20 to 30 uh, micrometer. So they are not, they're kind of elongated and uh, four or five uh, micrometer uh, wide. So they are uh, flagellated. It's a, a little tiny little cell with a little flagello and that flagello ha- helps to swing in the bloodstream and else to, to, to enter the cells, right? It's an active process of entry
1: okay so once it goes to the cell um are you supposing that it goes in i guess it it makes itself look like a sugary snack so the cell wants to uh endocytose and eat it
2: exactly once the receptors on the surface recognize receptors on on the parasite surface then um that is a mechanism of entry they will stimulate they will stimulate the migration of what we call lysosomes which are tiny little vesicles, acidic vesicles, to the surface. Uh, That's one of the ways. They have more than one way. And that will um, fuse to the plasma membrane, to the membrane of the cell, and that will form an invagination. And the parasite enter through this invagination. This invagination form a vacuole-like component with the parasite inside. Eventually, they break this this, um, vacuole and they are free in the cytosol to take the cells' nutrients, right? Because they need that to replicate. And they change the, the form, the, 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 the developmental form, and they start to multiply inside of the, of the cell. And you can have as many as 500 parasites, for example, inside of a mammalian cell, a uh, mammalian cell, until they disrupt the cell, break the cells, and then those parasites spread in the bloodstream to or nearby tissue to infect all the cells. Um, uh, the other form of entry is very similar to that, but do not involve the lysosomes. They engage with uh, receptors on, on the surface. We do not know the nature of the receptors in detail, but we know that will cause a invagination of the plasma membrane that facilitates the parasite to enter the cell. Once inside of the cell, they break that vacuole and they start to replicate inside of the cell.
1: Oh, um- is there any difference in the type of people that get affected by chagas uh, or tsetse You know, are, are older people more likely to be infected? Younger, pregnant people with diabetes, etc.
2: Yeah, well, um, in, in terms of age, gender, and and all the socio uh, economic status, we we the data so far do not indicate that you know that there are differences in susceptibility. Um, there there are. Of course, uh, uh, differences in the fact that you are in a rural area where you can you can be uh, more susceptible by being in a specific location rather than um, any other reasons. If you like this podcast, please click
0: the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
2: We know that there is transmission in the case of Chagas, uh via insect, via contaminated food. We know that transmission from mother to the child. For example, during the birth. Um, and um, yeah, you know, in terms of genetic uh, uh, predisposition to the disease, um, there's not much studies on that. However, we know that immunocompromised people will uh will be will be likely more infected with those parasites um, than, than any other person that's exposed. You need a uh, an immune system to protect you if your immune system is compromised in some degree then you become more susceptible
1: i just wonder if there's any clues um you said that the you know the parasite has like a, let's say a sugar coating mm-hmm.
2: um
1: or, i just wondered if people that are um insulin resistant you know diabetics etc or pre-diabetics i wonder if uh it progresses differently in them
2: uh, we already
1: a, in a, maybe a high sugar environment or a high insulin environment i don't know
2: no, yeah, well, well, I, I, we don't have data on that regard. But the sugar that parasites have on the surface is not, you know, it's in somehow. Um, it's actually a, a, a very interesting uh, mechanism, uh, the way that they get most of the sugar on the surface, because they take the sugar from the mammalian cells, from the host cells. So let's suppose if I'm infected with Trypanosoma uh, cruz, uh, they will take some of uh, of the sialic acid. Uh, on on the mammalian cell surface, on on the host surface, and transfer to the surface using a protein called transyalidase, and that will cover the parasite surface, and that's in somehow a a mechanism to to hide inside of the body. So uh, part of the sugar content is produced by the parasite, and that's normal for many microorganisms, including our our human cells, for example. We produce a lot of sugar on the coat, coating our, our proteins uh, on the surface of the, of, of the cells. Um, and that's not different from the spirozides. The key and interesting point in the case of Trypanosoma cruzi is that they, uh, they uh, let's say they borrow the, the mammalian cell or the host uh, cell uh, sugar to their own surface to uh, hide of the immune system, from the immune system.
0: Yeah, so
1: how do you suppose once they're inside a cell, how are they hiding from the immune system? Um, you mean the the overall exterior immune system of the body, right?
2: Exactly. So, um, so far, uh, based on what we know from these and other uh, pathogens, those, it's most likely that they secrete molecules or they present surface molecules, uh, both ways, either secreted or on the surface, that will deactivate uh, some of the pathways that the host have to recognize uh, a pathogen. Uh, for example, m- one clear example of that, we know that these produce a, uh, a porine like protein that makes uh, a, a, a pore in the in these, uh, vesicle that surrounds the parasite after the infection and, and, li- and, and opens these vesicles, breaking, uh, uh, helping to break the vesicle. Uh, so, that they can escape the acidic environment and replicate in the cytosol. So, uh, they are essentially uh, using uh, the surface repertoire of proteins as well as secreted proteins to stop uh, protein cascades, uh, signal cascades, and, and all the mechanisms that uh, uh, host cells have to detect and eliminate the parasite. Parasites are very good on, on 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 these because they evolved with the host, and 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 during this process they they developed uh, very specific mechanisms to evade the the host immune response. A very good example of that is what happens with tri- uh, Trypanosoma brucei. Um, in the case of Trypanosoma brucei, um, which causes sleeping sickness in 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 in, in Africa, these parasites evade the host immune response. They do not infect cells. Let me say that. Uh, first, but they stay circulating in the bloodstream. So, And uh, a parasite that's circulating in the bloodstream, uh, the, the host you develop an antibody against the parasite. You would expect that. And that happens, but once the, the host develops an antibody that you uh, detect and destroy the parasite, this parasite is able to uh, change the surface coat um, and escape their antibody response. So every time that we develop an antibody against the parasite, they will change its surface and uh, hide that surface coat and present a, nith- a different one that's not recognized by the engine. Ant- so this process is called antigenic variation. And uh, this is possible because this parasite has a very large repertoire of gene. About 25% of the genome is dedicated to uh, express uh, these VSG proteins that they are constantly switching on the surface to escape the host antibody response. And that's a a very uh, fascinating area of of research. We have a good understanding of how it works in some degree, not completely. And that's one of the reasons why we cannot develop a a, so far a vaccine against spadozide because they are very uh, capable of switching the surface code and, and, and escaping the immune response that's the, the host
1: huh. parasites. Have, have you um, made parasites with certain gene knockouts to uh, to see what's controlling the uh, adaptability and the immune response evasion?
2: Exactly, we do that quite often. Uh, we have identified many proteins which are uh, involved in the uh, regulation of this process. One key aspect of the antigenic variation is that this parasite has, uh, as I mentioned, you Know uh, 25% of the genomes, nearly 2,500 genes encoding those surface proteins. However, they only express one at a time. So the antibody recognize, they switch to a different one. The new antibody recognizes, they switch to a different one. So that process involves uh, a selection of one protein being expressed at a single time. And this process we call allelic exclusion. So we have identified a few proteins that once we perturb by either knockdown um, or, or mutation of the activity of some of those proteins, uh, the parasite loses the ability to express only one, but they, then they start to express multiple proteins at the same time. And that's very important because as they express multiple proteins at the same time, they uh, lose the ability to, to hide, right? They cannot switch it anymore because they're expressing all of them at the same time, then, uh, then they die. We we know that when we infected animals with uh, those knockout parasites, they die, and that, that's very important because now we can think about how we can devise uh, molecules um, that you can use as drugs to inhibit the activity of these enzymes, uh, therefore to stop these uh, very sophisticated mechanism of immune evasion that they have.
1: What's there inside a, a cell? Are you looking at the uh, profile of the extracellular vesicles? the cell gives out and seeing if the payloads are changing, you know, if there's signaling once they're inside a cell to other cells.
2: We have two different pathogens, uh, trypanosoma cruzi, which uh, develops inside of a host cell and trypanosoma brucii that uh, do not infect cells are constantly present in the host bloodstream. Now, uh, we study uh, uh, both aspects. One is what's the signaling process that the parasite uses to sense the environment to know that there is an antibody recognizing the parasite, so that they can switch that surface code, therefore evade the host recognition and and, and, and continue causing uh, the, the infection. And on the other case you know, of the intracellular parasite that is Trypanosoma cruzi, uh, we uh, we have I have studied in the past, or the people continue to study. Uh, how they invade, um, what are the molecules that they are producing, uh, the the, the extracellular vesicles that they are releasing and how that can modulate the immune response. Yeah, that's that's an active area of research. In my case, uh, in terms of Chagas disease, we've been working on uh, potential uh, vaccine targets, uh, discovery of vaccine targets, um, while in trypanosoma brucii, which is the one that circulates on the bloodstream. We've been looking into um, the cell signaling and, and process that they use to uh, recognize uh, sense the host um, antibodies and switch the surface coat so that it can develop drugs uh, against, against that process to stop that process.
1: But, okay, so uh, I believe it's brucii is the one that causes chagas, right?
2: Uh, no, the other way around. Using oh, sorry. Losing uh, causes sleeping sickness or African trypanosomiasis.
1: Uh, sorry, crazy. Um, what's the pattern of infection? Do they just seem to randomly infect whatever cells they can? Or are they focused on a particular cell type uh, at a given time?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, um, in each infection, they will infect cells in the skin, cells in the bloodstream, and they will propagate through the bloodstream to many different type of cells. We know that uh, it it seems to have a tropism to cardiac tissue as well as gastrointestinal tissue. Um, The prevalence of one over the other, um, we do not not know what causes maybe genetics of the host, maybe genetics of the strain, the parasite strain that, that infected that host, but we know that in the chronic stage, quite a, a good number of, of people will develop the cardiac disease. That seems to be the most common type of, of the disease caused by the by parasite. And we know um, that spatocyte will be present on, on cardiac tissue on the chronic stage.
1: Do you, well, do you think there's crosstalk? Do you think that the, the you know, Cruzi is using the cells um, for crosstalk? You know, it's inside one cell another crazy is inside another cell type and the cells are, you know, it's communicating with its, its brethren inside of other cells. Do you think that's happening? Is there coordination going on of action?
2: Uh, if, um, so w- once the inside of the cells, the parasite, um, uh, we, we do not know uh, if that's much of a social uh, sensing uh, interact. We know there's a lot of interactions between uh, the parasite and the mammalian cells among different parasites within a population, but in terms of a social behavior, uh, it's an area of research actually in these parasites. Uh, We know much less of that. Um, um, Obviously, this is, once the parasite infects a cell, uh, there is a coordination going on in terms of cell division, progression through the cell cycle, infection of all the cells, and and it's a complex interaction with the host immune response um, so yeah there is an active interaction between the human infected um, the parasite uh, via receptors via proteins and uh, but in terms of um, awareness of these interactions it's likely this is all you know uh, happening um and um, we we do not know if there is any sort of um, really sensing or, or behavioral type of um, uh, organization in, in this in this in this kind of uh, infection. I'm not sure if that's what you <laughs> if that's what you asked.
1: Yeah, if, if you know, let's say you have a bunch of uh, infected cells in a you know in a, in a dish, um, and you put uh, some kind of uh, you know. Drug on one side of the dish that affects some of those cells there, would the resistance translate to the cells on the other side of the dish if you then treated oh, the other oh. side? Okay. You know So therefore, okay. is there communication of what's going on and defense coordination and things like that?
2: Okay. No. No. This is interesting. Yeah. No. There uh, in these parasites, I haven't. I. I haven't. Um. We know that they release vesicles, um, which call call extracellular vesicles. The parasites do, the host cells do as well. And we know um, um, from work that I did before and all the people continue to do, um, that uh, vesicles that are released by a pathogen or by a host cell can have an impact on, uh, on the population as a whole, um, let's suppose. Uh, no now suppose let's let's for example the case of um we published before um that during the infection the parasite stimulates stimulate mammalian cells to release uh visco, uh enriched with um, t g f beta which is a a, a molecule um, produced by 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 uh by the by humans for example, and that same molecule. Uh, may stimulate the cells nearby and the cells become more susceptible to the parasite infection, for example. Uh, Let's say they prime the cells to be infected by this parasite. So the parasite stimulates the cell to release these vesicles, they spread around the to other cells and and they stimulate the cells to be more receptive to the parasite. When I say receptive, it's probably stimulated expression of, of surface receptors, for example. Um, that it will engage on that receptor protein traction and facilitate the infection. So we do know like that, we do know cases uh, not only in this parasite, but all the pathogens, for example, in cases of some virus HIV, for example, has been shown transfer from from receptor, uh, from one cell to to another cell via um, vesicles and that make all the cells... um, uh susceptible to, to to the vesicle uh sorry to the virus infection so yeah those type of communication uh occur and they they've becoming more uh clear in the past few years um due to the role of those extracellular vesicles. I worked with this in the past but uh, um kind of had to change it the directions in the past few years.
1: Is there any sexual reproduction of the parasite in a host or no that in people?
2: That is sexual reproduction uh, in the insect, and that's an interesting question. Uh, we know um, it, it, it's, um, it's two issues here. One is the challenge in, in studying that process. The parasites are divided by uh, by They just uh, replicate the genome and separate, and, and and becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes sixteen, and they expand exponentially like that. But there are uh, uh, documented cases of sexual between the parasites, sexual multiplication, where parasites will uh, different parasites will uh, interact and uh, mix mix of the uh, genomic material. There, um, the challenge is studying that 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 seems to occur only in the insects, uh, insect of inside of the vectors, and there's a lot of challenge in studying that. So the science that is still, I would say, um, at the very beginning. Some description of that in trypanosoma brucei, which causes uh, American, African trypanosomiasis, and uh, the, this has been probably better documented there than on, on trypanosoma cruzi or Leishmania, which is another related parasite of, of, of this uh, family.
1: Do the parasites ever form structures composed of multiple parasites? You know, uh, not like a biofilm, but like a biofilm or you know, any complex structure inside of a host, whether it's the, the insect or the person, or they always just single inside of cells and that's it.
2: Yeah, no, this is, is another uh, uh, interesting question. Um, it, they, the, the biofilm is very um, uh, well studied in in, in bacteria and in some other organisms, but in the spotlights we don't see much of that happening. Uh, we do know we do know they uh, interact with the insect via the, the flagellum. They attach to the uh, gut of the insect via the flagellum. We know also that um, they um, form these agglomerated of parasite cells. Sometimes in, in stressful conditions, uh, mostly observed in the laboratory, uh, but in the field uh, we, we don't see when I see in the field in, in, in the patient or in animals. We haven't documented much of that.
1: Oh, So where do you sense is, uh, the, the breakthroughs and understanding are going to come from in terms of how it evades the immune responses, the gene knockouts, or are there yeah. other methods that uh, you think will f- help you figure it out?
2: I think that, uh, I believe that um, the, the 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 mix of uh, science and technology is the key here. You know, the science driving the technology and the technology, Pushing science forward, that feedback loop, feedback look that occur uh, between um, science and technology. In particular, in the case of Schagas disease, uh, CRISPR has been uh, has played a, a big role. Uh, this parasite genetic manipulation, genetic manipulation of the parasite has been very, very challenging. But CRISPR has really opened. Uh, a, a new uh, field here for us and uh, create an opportunity to manipulate the genome the genome and ask questions that we, we never could before um, in the case of I, um we, we we were able to advance quite a lot I have to say um, and I'll give a clear example of that soon but with I, uh in the early 2000s we we noted that the parasite has had a, a the RNA interference mechanism, and which we explored to understand the parasite um, uh, biology, uh, we could knock down genes, could manipulate the genome, and uh, and that helped really to push the science forward. There, in the case of Trypanosoma that mechanism does not work in the parasite; it's not present. A lot of the proteins involved in this process are not present, so there was a, a, a lag. In, in, in developing genetic tools that would allow us to uh, develop drug, uh, um, to study the biology, but as well as explore that biology for drug development, for example. So in the anosoma with the CRISPR, that has a, helped a lot. What has helped a lot as well is the uh, new genome sequencing platforms that allow you uh, allows you to sequence long fragments because uh, a lot of the genome of these parasites contains very repetitive regions, which um, um, sequencing uh, uh, advances in quen- sequencing now help us to uh, deconvolute quite a lot of the data that we can obtain. So I think that the future now is promising in that way, a uh, combination of science, uh, biological questions that we have, Making use of the good technology that is available in terms of genomics, in terms of um, uh, proteomics, and all the tools to study uh, the, the genome of the parasite. How they? Uh, what are the proteins involved in uh, immune invasion? How, what are the proteins involved in uh, host interaction? And how can we exploit that for uh, drug development? How can we understand better vaccine targets? And, and so forth. Uh, when a clear, clear example of how the technology has uh, helped us to, to deal with tuberculosis is that in the 90s we had um, about 50,000 cases per year documented of this disease in Africa. Uh, an estimation estimated number of 300,000 undocumented cases. Today we have uh, about 1,000 cases per year, and we are moving forward to a elimination of infection there. Um, and that really, really was supported by a number of scientific and, 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 and technological advances like the genome um, that was uh, completed in 2005. Um, the discovery of the RNA interference that helps to explore the genome that had been sequenced and a lot of uh, drug development efforts that took place um, uh, on that. It doesn't mean that the problem is solved. We have a lot of uh, animal dependence and uh, a few other species that still cause the disease there, but there was significant advance. Now, the big problem that we have is Schagas disease, parasite that's much harder to manipulate. We did not advance as much as we would like to, but CRISPR and the, the advance in genomics, proteomics, that has uh, give us the opportunity now to really push this forward. And it's an exciting time, actually, on biology in general.
1: Very good. So Igor, what's the best way for people to learn more about your work?
2: Uh, we have a web page at, uh, at McGee University. You can look through um, our web page. We have a description um, of what we do. I'm um, associated to the Institute of Parastology at McGee University. I'm also associated to the Division of Experimental Medicine. Um, if you go to both... Um, uh, at the Institute of Metastology, as well as the Division of Experimental Medicine, you find a description of my work. And obviously, if you are a scientist, uh, you probably know how, how to get that information uh, through um, uh, scientific publications. And we try out, uh, as much as possible to engage with the public and make uh, uh, our results also available uh, via uh, reviews and using a language that's more accessible Um, to the public, to the general public, of course. Well,
1: very good, Igor. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate
2: it. Thank you very much for having me. I hope this was uh, clear enough and and helpful to your listeners. And thank you for organizing this podcast.
0: If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.